0: Len Speck.
1: The Blaze Radio Network. Uh, And it's the unions um, and the violence and the money and the um, influence that they wield in America today. Part three. 1973. The Supreme Court ruled, among other things, that union violence is not covered under the 1934 Anti-Racketeering Act if... It is part of furthering the union's objectives. That ruling apparently includes murder. The case before the court had involved a labor strike in which members of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers fired rifles at three utility company transformers, drained the oil from another, and blew up a company substation. So how did the United States arrive at such a place where the right to collective bargaining outweighed other Americans' right to safety and property? Well, it's happened due to the strength and power and influence of the labor unions. To demonstrate the power that unions have over American politics? Just who visited the White House more frequently than anyone else during the Obama administration?
2: The top visitor on the list is Andy Stern, the president of the Service Employees International Union with 22 visits.
1: Multiple news reports, including PolitiFact, immediately disputed the claim, calling it false. They meticulously listed the visitors who had shown up more often than the head of SEIU. Visitors like Lewis Sachs who was a counselor to the Treasury Secretary Timothy Geithner, Associate Attorney General Tom Pirelli, FCC Chairman Julius Janikowski, Spencer Overton, Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General and Health and Human Services Office of Health Reform Director Jeanne Lambrew. Surprisingly, Michelle, Malia, and Sasha Obama weren't named. Perhaps it would have been more precise to say the most frequent visitor other than the administration officials, Democratic senators, or family members. Information obtained since those reports also show that Anna Berger was also a more frequent visitor than Stern. So who is Anna Berger? Well, at the time, she was the number two person in charge at SEIU. Also, the president of AFL-CIO Richard Trumka surpassed Stern during the latter part of the year. Trumpka admitted he visited the White House two or three times a week and had conversations every single day. No matter where you stand politically, that is an incredible amount of access to the highest office in the land for two giant unions with very socialist agendas.
2: We had worked together and you had seen that I was willing to stand by your side even when it wasn't politically convenient. Your agenda has been my agenda in the United States Senate. Before debating health care, I talked to Andy Stern and SEIU members. Before immigration debates took place in Washington, I talked with Alcia Medina and SEIU members. Before the EFCA, I talked to SEIU. So we've worked together over these last few years, and I'm proud of what we've done. I'm just not satisfied because I know how much more we could accomplish as partners in an Obama administration. Just imagine. Just imagine what we could do together. Just imagine what we could do together. Imagine having a president whose life work was your work.
1: Americans no longer have to imagine what they would do together. They've witnessed the fruits of that labor That's apparently why, in the 2012 election, according to the New York Times, labor leaders said they expected unions to spend $400 million that year on national, state, and local elections, including $100 million by the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. But they say their ground troops, not money, is labor's signal contribution. Union influence doesn't stop with the volunteers on the ground or conversations at the White House. While the left loves to accuse the Koch brothers of buying elections, the fact is, in 2014, a Doonesbury cartoon irresponsibly claimed that the Koch brothers outspent the top unions combined. In the last election cycle, by a 3 to 1 margin. The ludicrous claim from a ludicrous source, but many leftists get their information from sources like Doonesbury, The Daily Show, or Stephen Colbert. But here are the facts. The Koch brothers have personally given $3.2 million to politicians and parties over the past 15 years. The Huffington Post estimated a total union spending on elections and lobbying at $1.7 billion. Doonesbury's Trudeau is using a nebulous Koch brothers network figure to raise their total to $490 million. That includes the money from Americans for Prosperity and other groups who bring in donations from thousands of contributors. Obviously, the Koch brothers didn't contribute anywhere near that amount personally, but even if they had, it still pales in comparison. Considering all election cycles since 1990, according to OpenSecrets.org, the number one political donor in American politics is SEIU with total contributions of $234 million, $232 million of which went to Democrats. Okay, in that case, the Koch brothers had to be second, right? No. Far LLC, which is a shell company owned by liberal billionaire Tom Steyer, is number two at 114, followed closely by the NEA, the National Education Association Union, at $109 million, Progressive Unions and Tom Steyer make up seven of the top ten donors list. Coke Industries is number 30. Is it any wonder, then, that Democrats are so willing to do the bidding of their top donors, unions? Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi weighed in.
0: Do you think it's right that Boeing has to close down that plant in South Carolina because it's non-union?
2: Uh, yes, yes. I don't don't know if they could close it down. I would hope that they would make it union. But this is a corporate decision. Should government be getting involved in corporate decisions like that? Well, they can get... You asked me what I thought, and I told you what I thought.
1: And continual, nonstop support from the Democratic presidents of the United States.
2: I, I travel a lot. I've been to countries that don't have unions, that prohibit unions. That's where you've got still child labor. That's where you have terrible exploitation and and, and workers are are constantly being injured and hurt and there are no protections and and that's true for everybody because there's no union movement. Even Brady's happy he's got a union. They had his back. (laughs) So you know if Brady needs a union, we definitely need unions. That is a common
1: tactic. Barack Obama used the argument, very few, if any, Americans advocate. No one is saying not to allow unions in this country. What so many Americans are saying is give the workers the right to decide and the right to work if they choose not to have a union. Also, using the example of someone who certainly doesn't support his policies to prove his point is disingenuous at best. But the symbiosis between American union leaders and the Democratic presidents and Congress and their policies is such that it inspired this outrageous claim from AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka.
0: There's not a single good reason for any worker, especially any union member, to vote against Barack Obama. And there's only one really,
2: really bad reason. To vote against Barack Obama. And that's because he's not white.
1: The leader of 12.5 million workers in the United States declared that you could not oppose Barack Obama on ideological grounds. He declared that apparently you must be in love with all of his progressive agendas and actions. He further declared that you are unequivocally a racist if you voted for someone else. It's hard to imagine staying in the AFL-CIO after a comment like that from its leader. But such are the bully tactics used by these leaders, as Andy Stern said when he was the head of SEIU.
2: We took names. We watched how they voted. We know where they live.
1: They took names. They watched how people voted. They know where you live. And then what? The answer to that question didn't matter to the president, Barack Obama, who desperately wanted their support.
2: But the question I do want SEIU to ask yourselves is not who's talking about your agenda, but who can change our politics in Washington so we can actually make your agenda a reality.
1: And he did make SEIU's agenda a reality. They pushed for lack of border enforcement and an end to deportation. Oh, and Obamacare. And they got all of it. In previous installments, we highlighted the willingness to engage in violence along with the Marxist leanings of so many union leaders. We've shown the influence they've wielded with Wilson and Roosevelt in their administration. In the Barack Obama administration, SEIU and the AFL-CIO had pulled all of the strings and had been hugely influential in the fundamental transformation of America. Next time... The influence of the unions. Is it likely to rise? And is there anything Americans can do to counteract it? Glenn Beck. You know, since I've done the uh, research for uh, the book Liars, and we're doing these serials every day, and I'm doing two new history programs. One of them premieres next week on The Blaze um, called um, His Story, uh, and then the other one premieres the week after called The Vault. As, I'm, as I've immersed myself in history, I, have, I really have come to this place to where it's insane how socialism and all of its trappings, like unions, how it's being presented as something new when it is all this turn-of-the-century bullcrap that at the time, at the turn of the century, no, it had never been tried before and so it was new and exciting and it was like okay this is going to work it doesn't work it's been tried over and over and over and over again and you're seeing these unions which started because of communism in the in the 1800s and because there is as i pointed out in this one of these episodes they have done good things child welfare etc cetera, etc cetera, um or child uh, work policies um, it, th- it's, it's all to move you towards communism. And it all needs force to be able to do it. It needs an iron fist to do it. Yeah, that's the, the great thing about
0: um, when the experiment of socialism and communism doesn't work. <clears throat> the good thing is it, it, it always ends in bloodshed and death. So, right. I mean, there's not really huge consequences to it. No. It's just the bloodshed no, just, and, the, and the, then death. the death. Right. And then everything's fine. Whew. Some of the death. <laughs> to be fair, some of the death doesn't always have blood shed.
1: Yeah, some of the, sometimes some of just it, starvation. Well, that's true. Millions have just so starved. It's not, or, even,
0: it's not even as bad as you're making it out to right. be. Right.
1: Like when, like when <laughs> right. the Soviet Union did that to the Ukraine, it was just 7 million starved to death in 13 months.
0: Right, and eleven million in the two uh, starvation periods, but
1: right. just, <laughs> just that, million. and, and there was no bloodshed. Everybody. So there you go, right. trying to make it right. sound worse. I, than apologize. It is. I apologize. Yeah. I typical. apologize. Typical, typical libertarian conservative kind of guy.
0: <laughs> now this, I oh, like. By the way, that term, who used it? Servitarian.
1: Servitarian. Yeah,
0: I like that. I like that too. Well, maybe there. We're coming. Maybe together. we're onto something there.
1: Um, all bubbles eventually burst. Unlike Wall Street, there is not going to be a bailout for any of us. And when the next bubble pops, are you prepared? Let me talk to you about um, bubbles. We are. You. What? Mark my words. Soon as the election is over, you're going to start hearing that America is in an, uh, a recession, and because uh, we're already in one, but. Nobody in the press is calling it a recession. This is normal. This is, uh, again, the Kondraki of Wave. We should be going into a recession. We should have been in this recession, I think, 24 months ago. Um, but we're not allowing those things to happen. Recession from at this point uh, is going to cost jobs again.
0: We have one. The Glenn Beck Program.
1: Mercury. The last time you purchased your mattress, you were also paying for things you didn't know. You're paying for the showroom, you're paying for the guy's salary who helped you, the commissions, and the reseller's profit. Casper mattress has changed all of that. They sell directly to you. That's why the most comfortable mattress you have ever slept on is going to save you a ton of money. Cost you much less than the mattress you bought years ago. Casper was invented with two high-tech foams that guarantee that you sleep cool and comfortable with the support that you need. Also Time magazine, because of this, named it one of the best inventions of twenty fifteen. And your Casper mattress ships free and is delivered in a small kind really, honestly, how did they do that kind of box? Tanya and I have a Casper mattress, and we love it. Try one in your own home for a 100 nights, risk-free. If you don't love it, they're going to pick it up and refund every single penny. Go to Casper.com, use the promo code Beck, and get $50 off the purchase of your brand new Casper mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. It's Casper.com, promo code Beck. Casper.com, promo code Beck.